It's time now for Green Visions, a KUMD production to encourage green thinking and green actions. Green Visions is made possible by the Minnesota Power Energy Conservation Program, making progress toward a lower carbon energy future. Well, as uh, you may have guessed, I spend a lot of time on social media looking at wildlife photography and dreaming and scheming and how can I improve and how can I get better? And I swear that I saw a couple of outrageous photographs in the last week, although I cannot source them for the life of me. One was this monstrous, huge goldfish. It was almost obscene. I mean, you know, I mean, it was like like five pound goldfish and the other was a hawk or an eagle flying off with a goldfish in its talons well we've talked about this a number of times on this show and I guess I've always approached it from the companion animal perspective if you have a pet you don't just turn it loose in the wild no matter what kind of a pet it is it's not a good plan but it turns out that this turning your goldfish, dumping your goldfish in the lake thing, is even more serious than that. Joining us on the phone this morning, Dr. Peter Sorensen. He is with the university's Department of Fisheries, Wildlife, and Conservation Biology. Peter, good morning, and thanks so much for being our guest. It's great to have you. Good morning. Yeah, my pleasure. So it's not just a matter of it being cruel to goldfish and kind of unethical as a guardian of a companion animal, and it might not even be that cruel to goldfish. We're missing something big about the goldfish swimming in our lakes. Tell us what we're missing. Yeah, I I think uh, before, before, um, well, let let me say this, I guess. uh, The main thing I think that was missing, as far as I can tell in the reporting about that story, was that um, goldfish have been around for a very long time, and of course they should never be released. That's always a bad idea ethically and from an environmental perspective. But the fact of the matter is that um, they generally only do very well in waters that are quite degraded, that have low oxygen levels and maybe are um, you know polluted in some way. Um, they're, they were uh, bred a couple thousand years ago in China um, to be domesticated, and they're physiologically really, really tough animals. So they do very well in highly degraded waters. And I, I think that maybe is what was missing from that story, was not just the presence of the goldfish, but the fact that the waters they were in, uh, unfortunately, probably weren't of the best. And so if you see a goldfish thriving in your local lake or pond or slough, uh, it's not only telling you something you didn't need to know about the character of your neighbors, but it's telling you something really kind of depressing about the water quality. Especially if you see a fair number. You know, unfortunately, like I said, uh, they've been domesticated for thousands of years. Uh, They were brought over to the U.S. well over 100 years ago. Unfortunately, people will always be releasing them. Uh, I mean, they shouldn't, of course. I don't want to encourage that in any way. But if they do do well, um, you know they're gold and they swim slowly. So they actually are highly susceptible to predation if they're predators present, Uh, particularly birds. I think you noted a picture of a bird 
preying on one. And if if they're managing to thrive, that tells you that the water is probably very isn't very good for uh, the predators uh, for them. And um, um, that's something to take note. It's kind of like a warning that your waters aren't the best quality, and um, something should be done about that. Uh, take a more holistic perspective. Uh, don't just blame it on the invasive species that some idiot put in the water, but also uh, go broader than that and look at the, the whole environment that they're in. Um, the one thing I did want to point out is what's really remarkable about goldfish and the genus of fish that they belong to is that they can go totally anoxic. They can, they can actually survive for several re- weeks without a molecule of oxygen in the water. The only vertebrate to do that. So usually where you find them is in waters that go, have very low oxygen levels at some point in the year and no predators can thrive in. And, and, and uh, that's uh, a big st- part of the story about goldfish in uh, waters in the U.S. And frankly, they become invasive in other parts of the world, too. It's every few years a story like this pops up. Let me ask. Um, let me ask. Just because uh, I I feel confused, or not confusion, but I feel questions stirring in my brain, and I need to to address the questions, and then we can get back to these goldfish. I know some people have koi in their right. ponds. Are and koi look like big honking goldfish? Are are we talking about the same beastie here? Well, that's actually a really excellent question, and. Um, uh, the, the goldfish are uh, genus Carassius, and the koi are a carp genus Cyprinus. And they're um, fairly closely related, but the point is it's a whole family of fishes. And, uh, and they do hybridize at times. And there are other species that we're not aware of, like uh, the perp, I'm getting a little technical here, but the Prussian carp, which is the ancestor from which the goldfish was probably bred, which are invasive in Alberta and which grow much larger. So it, it's, it is possible that those fish that were reported in Minnesota ponds weren't actually goldfish, but a close relative. And I don't think anybody checked that out, unfortunately. Just bringing that the one, up. The one I saw was being carried off by an hawk or an eagle, and I don't think they looked interested in giving it up to answer some scientific questions. No, well, that's the problem. You have to get. You know, knowledge. they really, Laura Erickson has pointed out a number of times how birds do not read the bird guides, but I've noticed that <laughs> uh, many times they're extremely disinterested in taking part in scientific studies. You want to get them involved, and they're just not community-minded in that way. That's right. Yeah. But it, there's a whole slew of almost, uh, well, two to three dozen fishes that are in the carp group. And uh, the goldfish is just one of those, and it's a domesticated, smaller version that's gold. That's basically the story there. So, obviously, it would be a great fish to have in Minnesota in the summer in a small pond, you know, in your yard, in a water feature or something, because there wouldn't be a ton of oxygen. And I had some friends who uh, lived in New Jersey, and they had some beautiful carp in a water, a koi in a water feature in their backyard. What do you do with them in the wintertime? They can't really, like, have no oxygen for an entire six months, can they? Often this is one of the beauties of that species, um, 
the koi are also quite resilient. You know, there are different species in the goldfish, but they're close enough they interbreed and sometimes produce really large offspring. So that's what I'm saying. That could have been a koi-goldfish hybrid in sure. the pond. But anyway, uh, all people do, apparently, my neighbor had, is often you can, you can either bring them in in a, in a bucket inside, and they kind of hibernate. They slow down a lot in cold temperatures or sometimes just put a low-level oxygenation system in your water. And they'll, they'll sit out the winter. And um, uh, they don't need much food or much oxygen. Like I said, they're really tough. And uh, that's why they do very well. You, when you find them in Minnesota, if you go looking, you'll find them. You find them in small ponds, like um, runoff ponds, you know, from highways or areas where the water quality is quite low, very turbid. The birds can't see them. And maybe that lack of oxygen occasionally, either in the winter or the summer. And... Um, they're relatively easy to keep in outdoor ponds, as long as you keep the predators away. Right. Yeah, because they, like you say, being gold and, and moving kind of slowly, it, they do have sort of a kind of a target. Um, oh, they're sitting ducks. Now, and, uh, one of the yeah. things that we're very concerned about with invasive species are the idea that these species outcompete or, heaven forbid, eat the native species. Goldfish aren't out-competing anybody, really. They're well, actually, or are they? Well, that's a great question, too. It's never, uh, I'm only aware of one study, and it was done in Italy a few years ago. Um, and uh, they probably, uh, they have to eat something, right? And uh, But they're probably eating, and there was evidence, Wood Lake in Minneapolis has the same as a goldfish infestation. And they report um Although it wasn't scientifically studied, a reduction in numbers of young frogs and insects and uh, some uh, young fish because they're eating these small things in the water column. So I'm sure they disrupt the food webs. Uh, How seriously? It's a little bit unclear. But it's mainly they're the, pardon me mixing my natural metaphors, they're the canary in the cold mine that says, Whatever body of water we're dealing with here is a crummy body of water. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's an, it's let's put it this way: it's a uh, body of water that at times cause it lacks oxygen and probably is quite turbid and probably problematic. So yes, I would say when I see goldfish, there's two things. You know, one is um, a light goes off and say, "Oh, we've got a water quality problem here." Uh, you know, if we see a lot, a couple, well, they're around. And uh, uh, I guess that's what I say primarily. And then secondarily, I say, oh, some idiot put them there. We've got to teach people not to release them because it just makes things worse. So what it's, – it's an easy – it's a fairly easy to sell. Again, going back to the companion animal issue, it's a pretty easy sell to, to say to people, uh, this dog, this cat, you know, this is what your dog, your cat looks like after a week on the streets. They are domesticated animals. They do not know how to find food. They do not know how to whatever. And unfortunately, what you're telling me is that in some spots, goldfish just rock. You turn them loose and they're just like, wah! So how, how do we try to talk people out of this? When... And, and I guess I'll put a little plug in here. Uh, Minnesota Sea Grant, based in Duluth, used to have, and maybe they still do have a program on an, um, a turn back base of species. So people might want to look at, into it up your way and how people should turn them back to pet stores. Right. But 
Yes. Um, if you if they end up in a small water body that doesn't have a lot of predatory fish, you know, no bass, no pike, that kind of thing. Oh, of course, they'll do really well because they're quite resilient. They can, like I said, tolerate basically zero oxygen. What happens is they produce alcohol. It's really interesting. And they can also tolerate very high salt levels, which are now a problem in many Minnesota lakes. So um, if there's no competitors for them, because the waters for one reason and the other aren't the greatest, uh, they can do extremely well, breed and just take off. And um, like I said, their ancestors, the Crucian and Crushing carp, uh, range all the way up into northern Siberia, across uh, Scandinavian lakes. They're some of the only fish found in those systems because they go anoxic for most of the winter. Uh, so they do very well in Minnesota if they're put into a situation similar to that. Uh, extremely well. Um, they're just fine, thank you. So it is so we, it is going to be kind of tough to try to make the case that this is a really cruel thing to do to the goldfish. It, the goldfish, as you pointed out, is a, where there are predators, is a sitting duck. That is a rotten thing to do uh, to your pet. Do the well, responsible thing. You introduced them in nine out of ten lakes or rivers. I would like to think they got eaten pretty quickly. So it's not a kind thing to do to your fish. No. They're probably not going to make it. But if they do end up in a spot... That's suitable to them uh, because it doesn't have other fish, probably because it's degraded for some reason, uh, then they, they might do very well. So it wouldn't be a, necessarily a cool thing. But all the same, it's not a bad, it's not a good idea at all to introduce species from other locations into new locations to disrupt and change food webs. Uh, we got enough issues with climate change, et cetera. And, I think, honestly, I think the goldfish is somewhat symptomatic of some of the issues with climate change because they do better in, like I say, as the climate warms, local waters will have less oxygen because they can carry less oxygen, and these goldfish will do much better. Uh, They'll do better with pollutants running into the water. Uh, They'll do better with salt in the water. Uh, So um, it's just... uh, not a good idea to accelerate a process that's already not the greatest. Boy, it's that's obvious, and and obviously, if and and if you weren't perhaps weren't aware that your, uh, you know, the the little slough next to you, or the pond next to you, or fill in the, or maybe even a lake that you enjoy, um, had degraded water quality. When you see the goldfish, that you know that might be just the thing for a heads up, and uh, maybe to talk to some folks locally and find out if there's something that can be done to improve the health of our oh, waters. Yeah. yeah, like I said, if if you uh, if you see them, my my lab group we haven't explicitly studied them, but we come across there are a number of lakes in Twin Cities area that have them, and. Uh, they're always uh, shallow, uh, extremely turbid, degraded, and very few fish in them. So it's not it's it's a sign there's problems with the waters if you see them. So, uh, like you said, I, th- I view them more as a sentinel of other environmental problems. Um, that's that's pretty much how I view them. Peter, thank you so very much for taking some time to talk with us this morning. This is a whole aspect of this issue that we haven't really talked about in depth. And it is, it's not really great news, but it's good to have the information. We need, we can't do better till we know better. It's important to have the perspective on it and figure out what this really means. 
uh, so you can approach it sensibly. And I should say, it's always a bad idea to put any fish in the water. And by the way, this would include bait fish. You don't want bait fish escaping either because you could easily move a minnow from one part of the state to another accidentally to a place where it wasn't naturally and disrupt that food chain too. So it's not just goldfish. It's it's all, um, it's all domesticated uh, animals that, that we have. So it's just being responsible and sensible. And ethical. And ethical, truly. Truly, yeah, that's the bottom line, at least to me. But yes. Peter, thanks again so much for well, being our guest this much, morning. What a treat to have you on the air. My pleasure. Okay. Dr. Peter Sorensen, our guest this morning on Green Visions. He is a professor at the U with the Department of Fisheries, Wildlife, and Conservation Biology. Green Visions on KUMD is made possible with support from Heritage Window and Door, the Duluth Superior Supplier for Renewal by Anderson Windows and Doors, and from Minnesota Power Energy Conservation Program, making progress toward a lower-carbon energy future.